0: If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day.
1: Women, you know, have to come to this place where we're willing to say that the only thing failure can offer me is a lesson for my success. I believe that the opposite of depression,
2: it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world.
0: Thanks to Upstart for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to Purple. Your Purple mattress really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. And thanks to Care of, a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best and supports you long-term. For 50% off your first care of order, visit takecareof.com and enter promo code DREAMJOB50. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So, I hope you guys had a good weekend. It was beautiful. We actually took a second and went to the beach, and I posted a little reel on my Instagram. You guys can see um, my kids, and I put a really sweet Ben Harper song. Him and Jack Johnson singing, I can change the world with my own two hands. I love that song so much. Um, so. It was a nice weekend for us. And I was so happy because last week I did a pop-up workshop, how to ditch your day job, the five steps. And guess what? I'm doing another pop-up workshop this week because it was so much fun. It's going to be Wednesday night. And if you want more details, you can come to my Instagram and you can DM me and I will send you guys the link to register. I can't wait to hang out with you guys. 90 minutes on Zoom Wednesday night. Just come on over to my Instagram and DM me and I'll send you the link. All right. Well, I'm really happy because we have such a powerhouse joining us today. Her name is Sarah Jakes Roberts. She is a New York Times bestselling author businesswoman, media personality, and she's the founder of Woman Evolve. It's a ministry that focuses on uplifting every woman to her fullness. Woman Evolve has guided thousands of women to awaken healing, wholeness, and love for themselves and others. And it is such an important mission that's really making just such a huge impact. Sarah has written bestselling books like Lost and Found, Don't Settle for Safe, and her newest book came out this month. It's called Woman Evolve, break up with your fears and revolutionize your life. And it's packed with new insights about turning your disappointments and and mistakes of the past into life lessons that will help you become the woman that God intended. Sarah has been featured on the Today Show, Dr. Phil, Essence, the Associated Press, and she has such a unique story about growing up in the intense spotlight, but the dark moments and the emotions that she experienced along the way are something that I think a lot of people can relate to. I know you're going to be so inspired by how she's dealt with everything that's happened and how she's transformed into who she is. So without further ado, please welcome the incredible Sarah Jakes-Roberts. Sarah, thank you for coming.
1: Thanks for being here. <laughs> thank you for having me. We finally made it happen. Finally made
0: it happen. You look so beautiful. If you guys are listening to this and not watching it, she puts me to shame
1: right now. It's a lot. Um, it's a whole lot going on here. <laughs> it's it's beyond. So
0: I want to talk about so many things. I want to definitely talk about your new book, which is fantastic. Uh, but I think that your story is something it's literally like, it's a movie. Your story is a movie. It's powerful. I don't know that everybody has ever heard a story like that. So I thought, could we talk a little bit about where you're coming from, what the context is? Cause boy, does it give so much more depth to what it is that you have to share.
1: Okay, I'm gonna try and give you the the short version. So I am a teen mom. I got pregnant at 13. I had my son at 14. Uh, being a teen mom would be challenging for anyone, but it was also heightened by the fact that my parents are well known in the faith world. My father's like been on the cover of Time magazine. He's hosted <laughs> these large events internationally. And so I got pregnant under a very large spotlight. I spent 10 years after that pregnancy really trying to determine if I had any worth at all. A lot of negative self-talk. You're nothing. You're nasty. No one's ever going to want you. So much doubt, so much fear, so much insecurity. I was in a toxic, abusive marriage. I'm in this marriage. I've lost my mind at this point. So much infidelity. I was like, rammed cars someone came to our house and she was in the car and i just lost it this day and i started ramming her car Over and over and over again, they called the police on me. Uh, When they called the police, police told me I need to go see CPS. I'm leaving the CPS office. This is my rock bottom. Everything I was ever afraid of when I got pregnant as a teenager has now become a reality. My motherhood is in question. My ability of whether or not I could do this is in question. My worth, value is all in question. And I just thought to myself, I think I can do better than this. And I started trying to figure out how I got. In this in the first place. That process of unwinding how I got there was uh, through a blog. And from that blog, people started asking me to write, speak. I'm still doing the work, but while I'm doing the work, people are asking me to share what I'm learning. And that's kind of where Woman Evolve came from. It was me evolving and inviting other people along on the journey. And now here we are. I'm still sharing the lessons. My life has changed from the inside, certainly on the outside, but from the inside out.
0: I literally just started to cry. I um <laughs> I just I know you've told the story probably more times than you can count, but it's not lost on me. To just you put us right there in that moment and um last night my friend Nicole Walters was sharing on her Instagram and she was talking about her daughter and her daughter is she adopted her, but she was talking about getting a call when her daughter was like 14 she was like in a fight in high school and she had been through a lot this kid before she fostered her before she adopted her and she was all choked up and she said for her to be in that situation where she's taking the kind of action she's taking this is a kid who spent a lot of years not feeling seen this is a kid who spent a lot of years not knowing that they matter and I just heard her sharing this yesterday. So I think listening to your story, like it just got me like right in that spot where you yeah. I could feel that what you're saying is like, I mean, here you are in this moment, your motherhood's in question, everything's in question, and you you up to that moment, I just had this feeling of like, but what was missing for you? Yeah. Yeah, it's so big. And the fact that you've had the courage to share all of this and the fact that you were literally like a famous person and a famous person's kid, I think people would assume like she had everything. What does she not have? So what was that process for you? Like you said, you went back and you tried to look at like what got you there. What do you think it was that was missing? And what do you think it was that led you to choices that weren't feeling alignment?
1: You know, I have to tell you, I think to your point about people feeling like she, you know, she should have had it all as um, comforting as I think the idea of having it all is for people, I think it's really important that I shared my story, because a lot of times people think if I would have had two parents in the household, if I would have had parents who stayed together, if I would have had faith in my life, maybe I wouldn't be dealing with these fears. And yet here I am as representation that it doesn't matter what you've had or didn't have, we can all find ourselves in this brokenness. When I found myself there, I'm leaving the CPS office, I just couldn't help but ask myself why. Like, why, 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 why are you here? Why are you here? And not this like beating myself up, but this actual inquisition of my soul. And I think it's so important that we do that. That's one of the things that I hope to do with Wellman Evolve is to ask yourselves the question. And so when I started thinking like, I just didn't wanna be alone. And it's like, when did I become afraid of being alone? What does alone communicate to me? And then I kind of narrowed it down to this idea that I wanted to fix the idea that I would be forever defined as the girl who got pregnant at 13. And when I came to that realization, it made me realize that I was trying to divide who I was from who I am. And every time I tried to draw that line in this thing, they kept colliding. And I had to finally realize like, this is who you are. Like, this is a part of your story. You did get pregnant as a teenager, but this doesn't have to be the end of your story. It's
0: amazing how like the hardest thing that it always boils down to for people when you pull the thread all the way out is shame. It's like, if, if we are carrying shame, we can't tolerate that. Like pain, we can tolerate grief, but shame is it's so destructive. Oh yeah. And what you're doing, it gives people permission to let go of their shame. And That is probably the single greatest medicine. So how did you learn to do that?
1: It's hard to love yourself and shame yourself at the same time. (laughs) You know, when shame enters the picture, you automatically think, I can't love myself. I can't like myself anymore. And so I realized that I didn't love myself. I didn't love the decisions I've made. I didn't love my life. I didn't love my past. And I had to dare to really embrace my truth, but love my truth to see it not as just this moment when I ate from forbidden fruit, but to understand where I was mentally and emotionally and why that felt like a viable option for me. The dangerous part about shame is that we're looking at our actions in hindsight And judging ourselves based off of the outcome. But before the outcome, we were just standing in a moment doing the best that we could. And when I dared to embrace the fact that this was what I had to offer in that moment, and I understood myself as a 13-year-old girl in a world that seemed bigger than her, looking for someone to validate and love her, wondering how I should fit in. I I learned to love that part of my brokenness. And when you love yourself, you can't penalize yourself at the same time
0: that's so beautiful because it's just so true right we've all been in moments where we are craving love and validation and that's really all it is is a i mean it's a young person in a moment reaching their arms out for love and it's yeah. like to shame yourself for that. I mean, and, and even the things that we all do, like we all have parts of us that are brave and parts of us that self-sabotage and parts of us that we, that's called being a human being. Yeah, so what do you think you gained though, from being a mom early in your life? Like what are the lessons that you feel were a gift?
1: I was instantly thrust into this idea of planning for a future and not like whether or not I was gonna to go to prom, but right. who I was gonna to have to become in order to sustain a life. And I feel like that it gave me work ethic. I think it helped me to become patient at a very early age because I had to start thinking about the long game at a very early age. I couldn't think about things in a short instance. I became a lot more compassionate at a young age. It was difficult to be like one of the mean girls, you know, because we have these phases, these mean girl phases, but I just had so much empathy for people who found themselves on the outskirts of life. And so I feel like everything that allows me to connect with women today has a lot to do with what I started learning at an early age. I mean, from that moment, outside of just even the bad marriage, like I was just at a strip club. I worked for the air force for a little bit. So I've been in all of these different sectors of life and I've had an opportunity to understand what life looks like for different people. And I think it's made me more well-rounded as I share messages now from the platform that I have.
0: Wow. That's so incredible. And like, of course, yeah, you were thinking about the future and feeling responsible. And I can't even imagine like how quickly you grew up, like overnight. But when you share all these other aspects of, you know, I was working here and I did this or whatever I was doing. I think that people who don't know you are probably having a hard time reconciling. But like her parents, her parents had all of this, and her parents are all of this. And so what was that relationship like? And how were they? able to sort of be with what was going on for you.
1: The thing about shame is that when it is all that you see, it's also all that you think other people see. So the same narrative that you have in your mind, you assume that other people have about you too. So though my parents were there, I couldn't receive their love and support in a way that allowed me to rebuild my life, right? And I mean, I wasn't in therapy. It wasn't like I was working through this. The only thing I wanted to do was perform well for them especially after having the teen pregnancy. And at the moment that I felt like I couldn't perform well, the moment I felt like I couldn't fix it, then I moved out together and told them that I would just do things on my own and that I didn't need or didn't want any support from them. I felt like I'd already caused you enough shame. I was in school, but then the class, that I had this one class I couldn't pass. And I was like, well, there goes my future. I'm dropping out and I'm just gonna make it on my own. And I couldn't bear to hand them another disappointment. And I felt like their lives would just, be better off without being so closely connected to my process. I needed room to figure things out. And so they were there. They were as loving as they could be. Um, No one dreams that their child is going to get pregnant as a teenager, but I really felt like they stood up to it. But at the end of the day, I don't think that I trusted that they could still love this version of me because I couldn't.
0: Oh my gosh. I think everyone who's listening no matter what your relationship is like with your parents, you can relate to wanting their approval,
1: yeah.
0: wanting to make them proud and how more than even your own stuff, you were worried about how it affected them. I think everybody can connect to that. So what ultimately turned that around so that you could have a different relationship with them and receive from them and all of that?
1: That moment when I left the CPS office, I knew I needed to start my life over. By this time, I've got two children and I just knew I needed to start my life over. And so I came home and there was something about coming home and being so desperate and hungry for love that opened my eyes to the love that has always been there that I just couldn't receive. And, um, I let them in, I let them in. I didn't try and dress up my life and make it pretty for them. I let them into where I was and what I thought was possible for my life and how I wanted to work towards it. And so I think it was through the intimacy that we had in my brokenness that we were able to really have a deeper relationship that wasn't just built on me trying to outperform my past. You
0: know, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard because people think that love is conditional. Yeah. And because of this in that moment, that's when you really knew your parents love you. They don't love you for a reason. It's not the reasons they love you that they love you. They love
1: you. And that was just like, it's so hard to understand that and to receive that as truth. And yet when I was down to nothing, it was still there. It was still available. I could go home to my parents with my two children as a woman going through a divorce and still laugh and joke around the table. I could still be their daughter. And so instead of pushing it away or not believing it to be true, it sometimes it takes faith to believe that the love in front of you is for you. And so I think that was my first exercise in faith is really accepting the love that was in front of me.
0: I mean, what an incredible gift that your family gives all of you to people to show like real people who deal with real challenges and really love each other through them. Because the other thing is not what's happening, that people will ever have some kind of family where it's always perfect and no one ever gets into anything. So to to be a front-facing person like your parents are and like you are... And to say like, but here's us embracing, rolling out the welcome mat to like, here's what's actually going on and we're gonna show up for each other. That's yeah. so rare. And that's what the world has to see somewhere. Cause that's what actually is going on. There isn't a person. And the more we think that, that that's true, that's just their Instagram face. And I imagine, you know, like for you growing up, for, you know, a president's kid growing up, any kid, there's a
1: lot of pressure.
0: Like even if there's not coming from the parents, it's coming from the world.
1: Did you feel that way as a kid? Oh yeah, for sure. When I first got pregnant, there were people who were so upset, like not even in my family, people who were just like members of our church community who were so upset. They wanted me to get up and apologize to the entire community for getting pregnant. There were people who said my baby wasn't going to live because I had the child out of wedlock. I mean, people who question my father's ministry and his life's work. And I always give people this analogy, like no one, really gets that upset with a dentist when their child has a cavity because they feel like cavities are a part of life you know <laughs> right. this, this is, why why would we be upset with that and it's like but he's a dentist their children shouldn't have cavity no one does that and yet when you are the father of someone or the daughter or child of someone who's in faith they expect for your faith life to just come out of the womb perfect and we are all on our own journey of figuring it out and figuring out what is truth for us.
0: Yeah, I love everything you're saying. But before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors.
1: As the world becomes increasingly uncomfortable, we're all
0: looking for as much comfort as we can get. The past few months have been a lot to handle, especially with situations involving close family members. But One thing I can always count on for comfort is my Purple mattress. That's because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has the grid. It's a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and your legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. The grid bounces back as you move and shift, unlike memory foam, which remembers everything. That's why memory foam has craters and divots. And right now you can try your Purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is also available too. I have no idea how they do it, but Purple's technology is fascinating. The air actually circulates. It's because of the design, so I don't ever have to worry about overeating. Plus, it's one of the most comfy mattresses I've ever had. It's seriously like sleeping on a cloud that actually provides support. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world, and right now you're going to get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use promo code DREAMJOB10. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code DREAMJOB10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code DREAMJOB10, terms apply. Thanks to Care Of for supporting this podcast. All of Care Of's products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science and they're super transparent about the research and sourcing behind each of their products. They have an in-depth online quiz that feels like you're getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist and you don't even have to leave your house. I took the quiz and it was super quick and easy. They asked questions like, what's your diet or how much do you exercise? And if I had any other health concerns or specific wellness goals. And then from there, they gave me personally tailored recommendations for my unique health needs. So a couple things that they suggested are the super berry powder and the plant protein powder, which I'm really excited to try out. I also like that I have the freedom to choose products based on the recommendations or adjust my pack at any time, because sometimes we want to have that flexibility. For 50% off when you place your first care of order, visit takecareof.com and use promo code dreamjob50. That's 50% off your first care of order when you go to takecareof.com and enter dreamjob50 at checkout. You know, there's all these stories about King David, right? King David wrote all these Psalms as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, the most beautiful prayers. And this man, like, we know that his, like, you know, relationships were interesting and he was questionable. like- Questionable. Questionable is a good word. <laughs> and he was struggling with, with having certain desires and also being a person of faith and and trying yeah. to figure out, right? And boy, do we need to shine a light on- on that because people are actually pushed away from faith when they feel it's all or nothing
1: oh gosh absolutely and i feel like such a responsibility to give people room to be where they are i think that because we've kind of made god and spirituality so fragile that you can't be upset you can't be skeptical. You can't have questions. You can't be depressed. You're either doing this thing completely right or don't do it at all. So people are like, listen, that's what I was like. I was like, I will not do it at all. Like, because sure. it is such a long stretch from where I am <laughs> to where you're saying I should be, that I will just live out here in my raggedy little world trying to make things happen. And um, I want to give people room to be wherever they are on their journey without pressure of performing for God. Because God can meet you wherever you are. Yeah.
0: And um, I went on a trip to Israel when I was in college. I thought I was going to be there for two weeks and I stayed for two years wow. and I got really, really into my my faith and praying all the time. And I did have a moment where I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, does this mean that I have to dress a certain way or, yeah. you know, say certain things and, and only, you know, act and behave a certain way. And I started to feel shame. I started to feel like, well, I, I can't do it then. And and I did realize that God loves you for you. Amy Grant yeah. has this amazing song, Don't Try So Hard. And she says, God gives you grace and you can't earn it. Yeah, It's just given. Yeah, And that song makes me bawl my eyes out. <laughs> it's what everyone needs to hear. And for some reason, we're so wired to achieve. And we're so wired to feel like we're only going to get the love if we are perfect person and we know we can't be so that we don't feel worthy
1: there's such a surrender that we have to have and a lot of times we make faith about the big things like faith for the billion dollar deal faith for the marriage faith for things and yet faith is in the surrender of what is already there the love is there the peace is there The potential is there, but faith to believe that it is there and that it won't be taken away from you, that you don't have to perform to do it. That requires faith that we don't always talk about. And I think that what I even shared is just me coming to this place of surrender. Well, like, I'm just going to see if I can trust it, if I can trust love, if I can trust next and now to um, reveal the best version of me.
0: It's so beautiful, so beautiful. I love that idea of just surrendering to receive and appreciate what's already there. And it's incredible for our audience to hear this because it was in this dark night that you turned things around and and decided to lean all the way in to all of this and you built what you've built from that place, right? So that's so important for people to hear how your, your not look at me, but come with me journey, Mm-hmm. has changed the lives of millions of people and people don't just like you. They love you. If they talk about you, it's like, Oh my God, this person, like, cause finally someone real walked in the room and makes them feel mm. like you're
1: okay. I could sit beside you. Okay. That gave me chills. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wanted people to feel seen. I wanted to be the kind of person who could have like gotten my attention that what have yeah. been like hey girl listen we're all out here struggling let's get it together <laughs> you know um i don't want to just meet you where you are but i think there is something to being seen i think we all want to grow right i think it's a part of our innate our physical body speak to this idea of constant growth development and change and yet when we get stuck we don't know how to move past those moments and every now and then you need someone who shows you this is how you walk. You put one foot in front of another. This is how you think. This is how you believe. And to live your life out loud, I do believe gives people so much purpose and value. It doesn't have to be on social media like mine is, but living your life out loud for the people within your own community and your own influence is such a powerful gift that you can give to the world. It's just so powerful. You're
0: right. That's such a good word because, I mean, I think most people, unless they live under a rock, have heard your dad speak, and he's brilliant. And yet being able to stand where you are and speak this way, I think the way that we help someone out of a well is like, we've been down there before, right? Yeah. So there's different kinds of leadership that we need in different kinds of moments, but there's something about what you're doing. I I, I'm sure they've already said it a thousand times, but if they haven't, I'm sure they're aware that you turned out to be the kind of light that you could only be because you went through what you went through and made those choices. And that's the kind of light that only you can shine.
1: Yeah. And I just feel like it because, you know, people are always like, do you regret or what would you change? And at this point, if I move one piece of this Jenga life (laughs) that has been constructed, the whole thing tumbles down. I needed every single scar. I needed every piece of pain. I needed every insecurity. And I believe every person can get there. I don't believe that this is just unique to my story. I believe every person can continue to walk out their life in such a way that they look back and they say, I wouldn't have chosen it. It's not what I would have dreamed of, but my God, you made it work together for my good. So let's, let's talk
0: about all of the wisdom that you've been extracting from your journey and putting into the, all the books and all the speaking and everything that you do. So your recent book, which just came out, "Woman Evolve, Break Up With Your Fears and Revolutionize Your Life. So you talk about some of the insights from the story of Eve. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you want to show people about mistakes and, and what you talk about in the book regarding that?
1: Absolutely, and I have to tell you, even when I wasn't religious, even if I was like, you know what, I'm gonna live my own life. I used to say to myself, if I make it to heaven, the first person I'm gonna talk to is Eve because she ruined it for us all, and we only gave you one job, and you messed it up (laughs) for everyone. So you say when I get to heaven, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to have a little conversation with her. But it's so funny, I still felt this way even as my life was changing and transforming, and I was empowering women. I still felt like, yeah, but that first woman, she messed it all up and I thought like how can I continue to empower every woman if I have this distance between myself and the very first woman the ultimate definition of womanhood whether you're religious or not our lives have been affected by this perception of womanhood because of Eve what we see socially what we see culturally politically all goes back to this idea of women can't be trusted because of what took place in the garden so I started studying her life Wow, she ate from the fruit She knew better, but she didn't do better. Instantly, I felt this gravitational pull towards her life because I know better, but haven't always done better. But then I also started realizing that for the most part, we end her story there, just like I ended my own story there. But her story doesn't end there. There is this restorative, redemptive part of her story that we don't often discuss. And so I wanted to rescue Eve from this narrative of her ruining it for us all so that I could rescue other women who felt like they were living in the ruins of their life so that they can see restoration as possible.
0: Oh my God. The way that you just laid this out, it's like, it's so deep and woven into the narrative of our evolution as a human race, that it's almost like, I forget that it's so part of the landscape of how people see women and why women are up against the patriarchy and how they oh, treat yeah. each other. And I, I hadn't really thought about that, but it also, I'm curious what you think about the idea that, cause I've done, I'm a big fan of the studying the Bible, but I've, I've learned enough to know how much I don't know. But mm-hmm. one thing that we all I think know from that story is that the snake lied, right? Like he yeah. said, not only can you not eat it, but you can't touch it. And then she did and nothing happened and then she ate it right it's interesting how the more restricted we feel it's like it's more alluring i mean and god's pretty smart cookie right you know infinite intelligence sort of knew this was like a setup you know and one of the ways that i've heard it explained is like the mistakes happened right away to actually give us as humans permission to see that like this is what goes down here, right? We have yeah. free will. It gets challenged all the time. But it's interesting how when you're told that you can't and you're told to the point where like, you can't, don't look at it, don't touch it, don't eat from it, right? Yeah. Um, well, all he said is don't eat from it. And the snake was like, you can't even touch it. You can't even, you know, and then it was like, he was egging her on. So what happens if you touch it? Nothing, what ha- now eat it, right? So it's kind of, I just think there is something interesting about that because there is this withholding and there is this pressure to like not touch and not have and not see. And sometimes when people are, are given a little bit more room, you don't see them rebel in the same way.
1: Okay. So I'm going to challenge you just a little bit. I, because... I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm like kind of <laughs> saying something and I'm like, what, no, you, think... what does that mean? Okay. I get what you're saying. So the serpent All the serpent ever asked the woman at this time, she's not even named Eve, but all he asked the woman is, did God really say that you couldn't eat from that fruit? And she's the one who responds, "Um, yeah, we can't eat it or touch it or we will surely die. And I do think that it speaks to our inclination to make things harder than they have to be. I think it speaks to the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform beyond what is even necessary. And yet in that moment, the reason why I I wanted to Mm -hmm. at least bring some light to that is because when God asked the woman, like, what happened? Why did you eat from this fruit? The woman says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, the serpent didn't necessarily deceive her. He just asked her a question. But that word deceived in the Hebrew actually means seduction, like the serpent seduced my mind. And that's what happens to so many of us. And I, I explain it a lot better in the book. But what happens to so many of us is we penalize ourselves from eating from forbidden fruit, but we We never take into account the seduction of our mind that made it possible for us to eat from the fruit. We don't just end up in uh, the toxic relationship. We don't end up in negative self-talk. There is a seduction of our mind that happens so, so slowly that we end up having this change in our diet, the change in what we consume because of that seduction in our mind. And so I think that deception of the mind is what ends up allowing us to live in this cycle of fear, this cycle of not breaking out of our uh, cycles and our routines, because we end up feeling like the fear on the other side of that is too great for me to handle. But that's a thought that's not true.
0: Okay, now let me ask you this. I love going deep on Bible (laughs) stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong. That tree that she ate from, I believe it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's go. I'm here for it. So yeah, let's let's So here. So here is the thing. God wanted us not to know the answer. If you eat from it, you don't have free will anymore. You're an angel, right? You know at all times, do this, don't do this, make a left turn, make a right turn, take this business opportunity, don't work with that person. Tell her no, tell her yes, get up, give her a drink. Like you would always know the objective thing you're supposed to do in every single second if you ate from it. If you didn't eat from it, then now you're back in human form, you're not an angel. You don't have objective truth. You have to find it. You have to work for it. Right. So I just think that's interesting too. Cause it's like, she, it wasn't just an apple. It was right. the answers, right? Like she wants to know like the objective, like this is the
1: right. So there's gotta be some stuff to unpack <laughs> there. No, there, there's definitely. Okay. So I, I, t- I touched on this in the book. You have a different take. And I think at the end of the day, it's all about like, the worldview and revelation that we bring to him. You tell me. This, I would like to submit for your consideration <laughs> that when she ate from the tree, she ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What I think this reveals about the character of God is that it was never God's intent for us to have the knowledge of good or evil. Correct. That everything was just to be an experience. If we look at our lives, if we look at the news, if we look at the experiences that we've had, for the most part, we are categorizing them as good or evil. If we have too much of one thing, we become prideful. If we have too much of another thing, we become pessimistic and no longer believe that any good is possible. And yet we weren't supposed to live within these categories because I think it is damaging To the soul politically, good or judging it out. Yeah, we're constantly judging our experiences instead of experiencing them and becoming whoever we're supposed to be as a result of the experience. So I think that the reason why it was forbidden is because I think those categories are very dangerous for us to have to navigate, and yet we we have to now.
0: Mm. It's so good. And Eve in Hebrew is Chava, and Chava means life. So really, this person, this character that we demonize, like in the Hebrew, that's like literally life. So something about the DNA of who she is, is gives us life, not to mention she's the mother of all life, right? Um, Okay.
1: Yeah, I just want to say something, because before she ate from the fruit, she was just a woman. Adam doesn't name Eve until after she eats from the fruit. And yet the promise was if you eat from the fruit, you will surely die. But Adam names her something that doesn't have anything to do with death. It's life. And I think that when we eat from forbidden fruit, whatever your forbidden fruit is, whatever that action is, whatever your fear, your worry, your doubt is, when we consume that constantly, it does kill something on the inside of us, right? Like our hope no longer can live the way that it did. Our faith can no longer live the way that it did, but there's still this label of life that is connected to us. And so if we can tap into the life, then the death doesn't have to take us completely out.
0: It's so good. Okay. One last thing on this topic of the, this, okay. and then we go back. I, I love, love it.
1: it. I love it too.
0: So one other thing I learned about it is So, you know, they all get punishments after this, right? Like she's going to have a hard time in labor. He's going to have to toil and work for the sweat of his brow, however you want to say it. And then this snake gets his food and whatever he needs and slithers around the earth, right? And so one of the questions that's asked is like, well, why is that a punishment? Like he's on the ground, his food is right in front of him, right? And one of the answers that I've heard is, well, that's like the biggest punishment of all, because- you don't need to turn to God at that point. You have everything that you need. You're a snake, you're on the ground, all your food, everything you could want is right there. Meaning I want nothing to do with you. Like you don't need to pray to me. And then you think Mm -hmm. to yourself, wait, so is it actually a blessing when we don't have every single thing we want right at our mouths, right at our fingertips at all times? Like the snake had like whatever, little stuff right in front of him. And the idea is like, yeah, because when you, recall out for something when you pray for something when you you strive for something that's the satisfaction is in who you get to become in the striving and partnering so to speak with god to like to ask for things to get clarity like prayer is a way for us to like even get clear what do we really want and all of this stuff rather than like you know giving some something all that it wants but not wanting to have a relationship with it
1: Does that make sense? I love that. Absolutely. I've never heard that before. I think that's so powerful. I'm going to, I hope I can remember that the way you said it for my husband (laughs) playing this podcast, because that's, that's great. I kind of interpreted that moment. um, I think the most powerful thing that God says to the serpent in that moment is I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, because that word enmity means hostility. That was a part of his curse is that I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman. And then the part that, even revealed to me just the redemptive nature of what happens to Eve in that moment is she says I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman like you got over on her but at the end of the day she's going to be upset with you you're going to have to deal with the rage of a woman we already know even today that when a woman gets upset about something she changes the world and so the God God tells the serpent like the woman is going to be your worst nightmare if she ever gets this revelation of who she is even after she's eaten from the forbidden fruit you will hate the day that you ever picked on the woman. And so I love that enmity between the woman and the serpent, but then it also is a foreshadowing of the life of the Messiah that the woman is going to partner with me and she's going to produce the ultimate restoration and that ultimate restoration will keep you forever on the ground forever as a failure forever as someone who could never even tamper with humanity again. And so I wow. love, that thought. I, love what you
0: said. I never heard what you just said. And one, one other thing on this, which is interesting is that um, in the Talmud, which is a, you know, a lot of commentary on the Old Testament, at least there's a story where when God's about to create people, the angels say, don't you do that they'll destroy your world. You already have us, you have angels, you're good. And God says, no, watch what a, what a person can become. And it's because an angel, like we said before, doesn't have free will. They just do God's message, do God's work, but a person does. And so it's so easy for people to look around and like, look at the bad stuff that goes on in the world. But when you think that at every single moment, Right now, across the world, at every single second since history began, people could use their free will to do something unkind or to do something wrong. And instead, how many times do they choose good? How many times do they choose not to say something that's gossip, not to, you know, covet something from someone, not to to celebrate someone, even if they don't have it, to show up, to reach out, to, to share, to be generous, whatever the things are, he says, God says the angel, that's what you could never do. Cause mm. you can't make a choice to do good. So yeah. the, the, it's an elevated level almost. And like, I think that needs to be said cause it's all this, like, we're so horrible. We're so this, it's like, look at, like you're saying, like we can though turn it around. And when the woman hears who she really is and she's reminded, like move out of her way, like yeah. power yeah. in that when we are aligned with
1: our mission and our purpose, Nothing Move out the way. Not one thing, not one thing. What you're doing right now it's helping to push other women into the knowledge of that. What I do is hoping to push other women into the knowledge of that. This is us having enmity with the serpent. And I think the serpent sounds so mythological, but when we think about what the serpent represents, depression, darkness, fear, anxiety, we have decided to create platforms that go to war with the darkness that is up against any woman because we believe in the light that is down on the inside of the woman. And I think from Genesis to Revelation, if you go that far, that we see countless times when God still chose to use the light of a woman. And yet even now he's using the light of our lives and the light of the lives of the people listening to continue to wage that war with the serpent.
0: Okay, we have a few more things to talk about, but first, another thank you to our sponsors. We've been speaking a lot about shame in this episode, and one thing that we often feel shame about is debt. And if you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, you shouldn't feel ashamed because you're definitely not the only one. High interest rates make it hard to pay off your debt, but Upstart can help. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan, and it's all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. It's really easy. It's super quick, Just get a five-minute online rate check so you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. Plus, you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dreamjob. That's upstart.com slash dreamjob. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Just go to upstart.com slash dreamjob. So... This book, you guys have to go get this book, but you've written so many other books as well. And the book that you wrote right before this, I love because you talk about not settling for being safe. And so much of what comes up on this show is that people get right to the point where they know they're called, but they're so uncomfortable. They're so scared. And so we go right back. And so it has to do with stuff you talk about in your new book too, which is breaking up with your fear. But when you... You know that you you have this thing that you want to put in the world, but you're just so scared. What do you think is the real reason we're so scared to show up fully and how do we overcome it?
1: I do think it is a legitimate fear of shaking up our worlds um, and shaking up our worlds in such a way that isn't worth it. Now, if we shake up our world and we know the success is guaranteed, we can do that but shaking up our world and bringing attention to ourselves in the process of shaking up our world and then whatever we shook up our world for not necessarily panning out the way that we want to, I think has a lot to do with our fear perhaps even pride connected to it or ego connected to it. Like I don't want to have this big statement and then not live up to it. And yet, you know, I think one of the blessings of me experiencing what some would consider failure at an early age is I'm like, it's literally only up from here. Like it's only up from here. And so, (laughs) you know, um, that's kind of the mindset in which I do so many things, but I think people, women, you know, have to come to this place where we're willing to say that the only thing failure can offer me is a lesson for my success. If we could really trust that, like even in failure, there is a lesson that will lead me to success. And when I say success, not even as a destination, but a more successful, more resilient, more educated, more experienced person, that is success. And I think that we have to be willing to lose out of our mind the definition of success that lends itself to arrival. I listened to this podcast with Brene Brown and Sarah Lewis, and she talks about the difference between success and mastery. And success does have a destination connected to it, but mastery is committing to an ongoing process Mm. in which we will constantly be revealed to ourselves and our art will continue to grow and so to rest in the fact that this is a journey not a race that we can take our time that we can pick up the lessons along the way and allow them to be added to what we're building and having fun along the way is so important
0: that is so good like that failure is just a lesson that helps us to get closer and mastery. You're right. It's, that's, that's, a beautiful way to say it. Like it's a consistent continuation of co- continuously coming back and, and finding new ways to, to find those nuances. And we don't allow ourselves that process. It's it's that it has to be an overnight success. It's a one and done. And if it's not, it's so humiliating. Like we just don't allow ourselves that.
1: You know, and I will tell you, I'm coming off the heels of this book. Well, not the heels of it, but it feels like the heels of it because you do so much work for pre-orders yes. and then like you're, you're here, right? Sure. And so the book makes the New York Times bestsellers list, which is like the golden unicorn of being an author. I've never had a book. Congratulations. It's before. such a huge Thank deal. You. Thank huge. you. Thank you. So we were on there this week. We're not on there. And I felt relief on not being on the list this month, because I felt like if I would have been on the list again, now, now, of course, we would have wanted to be on there and stayed on there for like a year and a half to two years until they're like, you know what, the book's been on here too long, we're going to retire. Like, of course, (laughs) right? But the fact that we weren't on there, I felt this relief because like, I got to this pinnacle of success for what it means to be an author. And I still was wondering, what do I do now? And how do I build from this? And who am I now? Those are the same exact questions I had in failure. So the idea that we're going to achieve a level of success in which we will no longer have those questions are false. And now I'm living in the relief of now I get to just kind of create again, see what feels authentic to me again. I don't have to live with this pressure of trying to stay on the list and maintain the list every single week. And so I think we also overestimate success. And once we finally experience success on some level, we realize, well, there's still stuff I want to do. I say I have gifts, I say I have talents. There's more to me than just this moment. So if fear and success are saying the same thing, then maybe I shouldn't worry about either of them and just stay true to what feels authentic to me.
0: Wow, that's so generous of you to sh- pull back the curtain and share that because I do think people assume, oh my God, she's done it. Now she must feel this like, it's like she won the game and she feels completely complete. And you're like, no, I'm asking the same questions. Like what's the next Thank thing that helps do. me be my potential. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, cause it's so interesting in our community. So many people want to be able to do something that makes an impact and not just have a day job, but have a, a job. That's a life's mission, a divine assignment, do their calling. And what they come up against is they'll, they're happy to volunteer at church or do it on the weekends, but to actually feel that they could receive and get paid to write, to get paid to speak, to get paid for a blog post, to get paid for anything makes them feel like it's it's scary to charge. It's scary for the pricing stuff. And that's so fascinating to me because it's not really about pricing. It's about what is that bringing up for you to let somebody give you something for something you made and it talk about the unworthiness and the shame. And so you've created your own empire and it takes a certain amount of humility and strength to have the capacity to receive and to allow for money to flow into your life and not just money, but an abundance of money to be a custodian of that resource I want to know what you think that might help people to receive more. Cause there's this thing of like, I, who am I to have it? So a, don't pay me. I'll just do it for free. And B, if I had it, that would maybe make me some greedy or horrible person. And so I'll never charge for it. Boy, does money bring up this feeling of not being worthy and something all of a sudden feels gross about us.
1: How do we finally let that go? I have to tell you, just because you would do it for free or can do it for free doesn't mean that you have to do it for free forever. And so I balance this idea that I am receiving money for something that God has placed down on the inside of me as seed That allows me to do even more, right? So, there are some opportunities, some gifts, some talents that we can't even bring fully to organizations because we don't work there full time. And if we did work there full time, we could do even more. And so, I think the idea of seeing resources as an opportunity for us to do even more will allow us to see that we do need money to fuel some of the ideas that we want to see happen. And we do want to be comfortable in the process of doing that. They always talk about, well, Jesus didn't charge. Jesus had three women who funded his ministry. It's right there in scripture. There were three women who were responsible for funding the ministry of Jesus. So if Jesus understood that I am going to need resources in order to make this happen, who are we to say, I don't need resources. I will also say this, I balance what I do for money with things that I still continue to do for free. I try to make sure that we still have, you know, opportunities available for the people connected to the movement that are absolutely free so that it doesn't feel like the only way that I can tap into what I need from woman Evolve is if I pay for it. And then also I make sure that I am leveraging opportunities that come into me that will really affect change to make sure that I'm doing those for free as well. This is the other thing that I will say. There's one thing to go from not being paid to making money. Then there's this other step of being paid money for something that isn't necessarily within your purpose. It takes a special level of commitment to, yeah, it takes a special level of commitment to the purpose to say, even though they're offering me $30,000 to speak here, it's not aligned with what I want to do in the earth, or I don't align with their vision and their mission. And that's how you know that you aren't just doing it for money. Um, because the money that all. <laughs> I'm a country girl and we play um, dominoes and sometimes if you score <laughs> <laughs> points on dominoes, they will say all money ain't good money, right? This idea that everything that comes your way, isn't necessarily good. And so I think making sure your heart is anchored in the why and the more that you want to do and what you won't do is key to really navigating resources and uh, the blessing and opportunity to do what you're called to do in the earth.
3: Mm.
0: Wow. That's so good. And it it's so grounding. It really helps you like keep that compass pointed towards that North star. We had this woman, Alison Bird, on the show, and she said, people are uncomfortable around women who don't hate themselves. Mm. I thought it was really a big comment. And she said, women apologize for making a lot of money or other women might even like, look at them. Like, who does she think she is? and she said the thing is though when you're standing in a place where you're powerful why do you think that people won't relate maybe they'll relate more cuz you're in, you're calling on the powerful parts of them and mm. she 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 was just encouraging women like you know she said we need more women with checkbooks there's a lot of men yeah. who get to write checks and decide where that resource goes and by us rising then it helps other women to rise, right? And so I like what you said about how you get to allocate that, like to think of like, you know, that as a gift you're giving to other. It's a responsibility almost the world. I think one of the things um as we're sort of summing up that women have so much fear around is what if someone doesn't like me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna share this thing and people people won't like me. So Mm What do you do to help people overcome that?
1: Listen, the larger my platform gets, the more I have to deal with this idea of when am I going to stumble into this place of it's 50-50, we love her and 50-50, we hate her. And I realized that that is the 13-year-old girl in me wanting to be accepted who has those questions. That the woman of purpose that lives inside of me too, right. So there's the 13 year old girl looking for acceptance and the grown woman who knows who she is. they all we all live together in this little body. Um, we're all working towards this place of fullness. What I do is I remind myself that I am not doing it so that people can like it or enjoy it. When I started the blog, it was about me coming to a place where I wanted to sort through what was in me and allow what was in me to come out of me. I wasn't expecting anyone to like it, need it, or endorse it. I just wanted to be true to what was in me. And I feel like we have to remember that the business, the books, the calling, the purpose comes down to us being obedient to the higher calling that is calling us. It's me answering the call. And when people have commentary, that's a call too. That's, that's like someone beeping into this relationship that I have with the most high about who I am supposed to be. And I think that we can't allow ourselves to become so intoxicated by the praise or wounded by the criticism that we forget that neither of them have anything to do with the ultimate call that is connected to our lives. And at the end of the day, I want to be obedient more than I want to be liked. And so that means sometimes I have to create boundaries means I create the sermon, put the sermon out there, but I don't look at the comments. I don't look at the chat room. I say what God has told me to say. And I close the laptop and I have dinner with my kids. I go outside on the patio because the obedience is more important to me than the acceptance. And if we could rest in that and truly find comfort in that, it helps us to navigate those moments where someone knocks us off our square and makes us feel like it wasn't good enough. Cause we come back to this place where we're able to say, I did what God told me to do.
0: I think that's one of the most important thing I've I've ever heard on this show, that obedience. And I think at the heart of it, what's missing for people is they are not connecting to their higher self, to their soul, to God's words. They're connecting to this narrative, this ego, this self that's actually been formed by trying to pretzel and contort themselves to who everybody wants them to be. And that's part of why there's like, I'm not fulfilled. And it's amazing how whenever I've gone to a yoga class or been in prayer or meditated within 20 seconds, if I ask myself, Kath, find your center, there it is. And yes, I can, it's, there. it's right there. And so what you're saying that is really every, every, you say this in who you are, you say this in everything that you are an ambassador for is you're really aligned with your soul. And your mission. And when a woman is aligned with her higher self, the universe moves. Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's where it starts. And it's like, we're not really hearing that a lot. And everyone's taking everybody's courses and everyone's listening to everybody in the neighborhood and listening to what they listen to and wearing what they're wearing. And and it's like, get quiet. Like spend your morning. Give yourself that time and just listen for that. Listen for that truth.
1: Cause it is there. Yeah. Listen, hold your breath, like hold your own breath in your own body, like come present into this moment, into this life that you have been given and allow yourself to feel your soul. What does my soul need? What is my soul speaking to me? Am I happy? Am I sad? What's causing the sadness? What's causing the joy? Can I lean into this moment and receive it fully? That higher version of ourselves is available to every woman. And yet we don't always tap into her because we're so busy trying to figure out who we are. You already are. There's nothing for you to figure out. You're already there. But embracing that version of yourself loving that version of yourself and moving from her is where confidence lies. It has nothing to do with your size, your skin, what's happening with your hair. The confidence is in my ability to fully see and love myself.
0: It's like music. It's like listening to you. is just like, it's medicine. It was so beautiful. I'm so grateful. I, I feel so unbelievably filled up and I'm so grateful that this audience got to hear you and that you're everywhere and you're sharing this. So tell us where we can follow you and buy the book and be a part of your world.
1: The book is available wherever books are sold, (laughs) Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, wherever you pick up your books. And then I'm on all the socials, Sarah Jakes Roberts. And um, yeah, I hope that we get to connect.
0: I just thank you for being so present and- Mm such a fighter for what's real mm. it's really a gift you're not singing the same songs everyone else is repeating and mm. repeating You're you, you have your own song to sing and it's it's in the vibration of who you are it's just like it's so flies above all the noise it's mm. amazing
1: to be in earshot of it so ah, oh, thank you i hope we get to stay plugged in and connected i would
0: love I would love yeah. this was the best. I too. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, uh, what a powerful conversation, by the way, you can check out this interview on YouTube. Sarah looked amazing. She had such a beautiful outfit on and a whole set behind her, but we've been video recording all of these podcasts. So if you want to see this one or the one I did with Rob Lowe or Matthew McConaughey or Mayim Bialik or any of the ones that we've done, you can go to my YouTube channel and it's Kathy Heller on YouTube, but you can also find the link in the show notes as well. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, This is part of your story, but it doesn't have to be the end of your story. Number two, dare to embrace and love your truth. Love the brokenness. Number three, the love in front of you is for you. Number four, we're all on our journey of figuring out what is true for us. God will meet you wherever you are. Number five, living your life out loud is a powerful gift you can give the world. Number six, the only thing failure can offer you is a lesson that leads you to success. Number seven, this is a journey, not a race. We can take our time, pick up lessons along the way, and add them to what we're building. Have fun along the way. And number eight, hold your breath in your own body. Come present into this moment, this life you've been given. Allow yourself to feel your soul and listen to what it needs. Okay. Now we're going to celebrate today's giveaway winner. Every Monday and Thursday, I'm giving away some awesome swag. We have hoodies and, and some adorable mugs. So if you want to enter, all you have to do is either leave a review for the podcast on Apple podcasts or just go onto your Instagram stories and talk about the podcast and tag me at Kathy.Heller. So today's winner is S Nasser7. And, and they said all around amazing. Don't keep your day job as the ultimate resource for entrepreneurs. Not only does Kathy bring on incredible guests with amazing insight, but the daily dose mini sods are really special. They're such a fantastic way to stay motivated and inspired with only having to carve out five to 10 minutes to listen. It's safe to say I'm going to binge listen to all of Kathy's episodes. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. I'm so glad that it's resonating. I will continue to show up and do this because I love all of you and I love this work. And I know that there's so many things that you have on your to-do list. So I'm really grateful that you're here. All right. And don't forget, I will be doing another pop-up workshop this coming Wednesday night. We're calling it The Confidence Code, Three Steps to Overcome Imposter Syndrome and Step Into Your Power. This is going to be 90 minutes on Zoom. I can't wait to spend this time with you. It's only going to be $17 for the workshop. It's going to come with a beautiful workbook. We'll be on Zoom together. I'll leave time for Q&A. It'll be the full Kathy experience. We'll probably even start with a dance party. If you want more details, you can come to my Instagram and you can DM me and I will send you guys the link to register. I cannot wait to spend this time with you. This coming Wednesday night, pop-up workshop. Be there. Can't wait. There are so many good episodes coming up. So definitely make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and go ahead and leave us a review because it is a hundred percent free to do so. It takes about a minute and it means so much to us. And finally, I'm wondering if you were inspired by this episode and if you can think of someone who would just love to hear this. If so... I would love for you to email the link to them or tag them and post about it on Instagram. And if you do post about the show, definitely tag me at Kathy.Heller and I'll repost a few. And you can also tag Sarah at Sarah Jakes Roberts, because I'm sure she would love to see that this episode made an impact with you. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song. And because we do daily episodes now, I will be back tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
3: When you're lost and